You are listening to The Best in Wealth Podcast, episode number 109. This is The Best in Wealth Podcast, a show for successful family stewards who want real answers about wealth and investing so we can feel secure about our family's future. At The Best in Wealth Podcast, we think differently about wealth and investing. You should too. All right, here we go. Hello, everyone. My name is Scott Wellens, and I'm your host of the Best in Wealth Podcast. This is a show dedicated to helping real people, that is you, my friend, build real wealth so together we can take family stewardship to the next level. I am a certified financial planner, an educator, and a wealth advisor, and it is so good to be with you guys today. Thank you so much for listening to The Best in Wealth Podcast. And today's episode is the Family Stewardship Approach to Investing Part 2. And today we're going to talk about one of those premiums in the market. But before I get to the topic of the day real quick, guess where I'm going today? After I'm done with the podcast, I got to load up the truck and we're going camping. Now, I loved camping as a kid. I still like camping. But when I usually camp, it's in a fancy camper. My mom and dad have a fancy camper. And this weekend, my friends, I'm camping in a tent. Now, I'm not a stranger to tents. When I was 21 years old, I drove to Alaska with three guys. I've talked about this in the podcast a lot. And I spent three and a half months in a tent. Let me tell you, I learned what it was like to appreciate things like a bed, a couch, not having to build a fire to have a warm meal. I've learned all that over and over again in those three months or those three and a half months. I'm not sure I'm ready to get back in a tent. But you know what? We're going with a great family. I'm sure we're going to have a good time. Let's just hope it doesn't rain. Let's get to the topic of the day. All right, here we go. The Family Stewardship Approach to Investing Part 2. And today we're going to talk about the small company premium. And I really want you to understand what goes behind or what's behind the curtain in this premium. And some of you listening for the first time, you're probably wondering, what, what the heck is Scott talking about premium? Well, we're kind of on a, on a series here, although we took a break last week or the week before doing the second quarter review. But if you want to catch up, episode number 104 and 105, we talked about conventional management, mutual fund management, the way it's always been done. And then in episode number 106, we talked about index investing, which given the two choices, indexing would be the preferred family stewardship approach. But then in episode 107, we talked about the family stewardship approach. That was part one in the scientific tests that we do on the whole market to see if there's any broad ranges or broad groups of stocks that might perform better than others. And that's why today we're going to talk about the small cap premium. 
And before we get to that, let's just define what a large cap stock is, a mid cap stock, and a small cap stock. And by cap, I mean capitalization. And the capitalization of a company is when you take all the outstanding shares that are available to buy and sell on the market, multiply that by the current stock price, and that's the company's market capitalization. So if I add up a company's number of outstanding shares times the share price, and that number equals 10 billion or above, we generally consider that a large cap company, large capitalization. If I add up all the outstanding shares times the share price and the total value falls somewhere between 2 billion and 10 billion, we generally call that a mid cap stock. This is according to Investopedia. There are people that have a little bit of a range on those numbers. And finally, if that market capitalization is under $2 billion, we generally call that a small company stock. So when we're talking about small companies, we're not talking about the local restaurant down the street. That is a number one, most likely not a public company unless it's a restaurant chain. Then there's a, a chance that it is, but I'm just talking any mom and pop kind of business. Here's an example, Fortress Planning Group. Fortress Planning Group is not a public company, is not worth $2 billion either. Oh boy, I wish, I wish it was, but it is not. So now that you know the definition of a, a large, a small, and a mid-cap stock, I just want to pay attention right now to the large companies and the small companies, which we know now are not that small. But in the scheme of things, they're much smaller than a huge conglomerate like Apple that just went over $1 trillion this week. You see, these largest 500 companies are the lion's share of the capitalization. In fact, the largest 500 companies make up 80% approximately of the whole U.S. capitalization of all the stocks. 80%. Mid-caps make up another almost 12%. That last 8% small-cap stocks. Some people round it to 10%. So when you have, let's just say, for example, you're investing in an index fund that is trying to track the Russell 3000. The Russell 3000 is an index, not an investment, made up of all the companies in the United States, or at least a large representation. So when you're in one of these Russell 3000 index funds, you own a couple thousand companies, but the largest companies, you own them according to their size. So you don't own an equal share of all of the Russell 3000 companies that make up the index. Apple, for instance, you would own much more than a small company. And because of this, it's really hard to get what I call the small cap premium. If I look at these largest 500 companies, the S&P 500, and I look back 
using the CRISP located at the University of Chicago, the Center for Research on Security Prices, I see that large companies since 1928 averaged 9.87%. Not bad at all. However, when I look at all of the small companies, I'm seeing a much higher percentage, 12.16%. So when I talk about the small cap premium, all I do is I take that small cap number, the 12.16, and again, this is not an investment that I'm giving you, just indexes. So these are not investment recommendations. I need to say that. But the small caps, 12.16, if I subtract it by the large companies, 9.87, that gives us an average, what I call small premium, the small minus large, and that total is 2.29%. So throughout history, small caps have averaged 2.29% on average better return than large caps since 1928. That, my friends, is what we call a premium. That is huge. If you have $100,000 back, let's just say 30 years ago, let me get out my financial calculator, my HP 10B2 plus, and I'm going to plug in $100,000 that you may have had 30 years ago. That's our, our present value. We're not going to add to that at all. So I have my, and I already screwed up here, I have my $100,000, my present value. We're not going to make any contributions to this $100,000, and we're going to hold it for 30 years. Well, if I'm getting 12.16%, actually, let's start with um, the the large caps. If I'm getting 9.87%, 9.87 every year for 30 years, my future value on that 100000 is $1.68 million. Very impressive. But when I just switch it from 9.87 to 12.16. Now we're talking about double the money ending at $3.12 million. 2.29% premium is huge. But the question is, let's go back to episode 107 and say, well, is this just an anomaly in the United States? Is this something that has persisted throughout time? We need to throw it through the test. And if you remember from episode 107, we have three, or I'm sorry, we have five different tests that we need to make sure that it's passing in order to do something with my portfolio. First of all, is it sensible? And my answer to you is yes. The reason why you're getting a higher average return in small caps is they're a little bit riskier. It's a little bit um, taller roller coaster. There's more twists and turns. There's more ups and downs. So it's more difficult to stay disciplined through the small cap premium, but it makes sense. You should get a higher return by taking more risk. Is it persistent? 
Well, it absolutely is, not in any one year, and we'll get into that in a second, but when I look at 10-year histories, 15-year histories, even five-year histories, yes, we see persistence in the United States. We're using history all the way back to when we can, 1928. Is it pervasive, the third test that we went through? Well, it absolutely is, because when I look at other Markets around the world, the premium exists too. For example, when I look at developed countries, and now we only have reliable data since 1970, but large caps average 9.62, small caps 14.79, premium of over 5%. Emerging markets, premium 1.76% on average per year. It's sensible, it's pervasive, it's robust. We're using all the data that we have available. We are not data mining. And lastly, is it cost effective? Well, investing in small caps, it's true. It's more expensive to invest in small caps because number one, there's a lot more companies to invest in. And number two, they're not quite as liquid. So if you went out to buy a particular company, there might be a little bit more of a bid-ask spread. You, the stock may be trading at $10, but somebody might be might be asking $10.05. You're paying a $0.05 premium per stock. That is the bid-ask spread. Generally a little bit higher than in large caps. But overall, it's been proven that investing like a family steward in small caps is cost-effective to get that premium. So maybe by now you're thinking to yourself, I want part of that small cap premium. I want to be part of that. It sounds awesome. It sounds like something I, a family steward, should be a part of. But how do I capture that premium? Well, first of all, number one is discipline. Because here's the rub. Here's the catch. Small doesn't beat large every year. If small beat large every year, everybody would invest in small companies. Only, maybe, if they could afford the risk. In fact, if I look at every one-year history in the, in the United States since 1927, small only beats large 57% of the time. It means you're very close to a 50-50 chance. Now, that doesn't sound like a family stewardship approach to investing, taking more risk for a 50-50 chance. You know what the answer, though, is? Discipline. Because if I look at rolling five-year periods, so if I'm holding that small cap for not one year but for five years and I look at all the five-year periods in history, our odds of success go from 57% to 64. Better, not great. What if I look at 10-year periods? Now my odds and chances of success of small beating large, 72%. 
And lastly, 15-year periods, because think about it for a second. You're saving for retirement. Even if you're in retirement, we are still saving or investing for many, many years to make sure we get the growth in your portfolio. If I look at all 15-year rolling periods, small beats large, that premium, 83 percent of the time. Those are odds that I can live with. Those are odds that I want to be a part of as a family steward to get a higher, hopefully, incremental return in the long run. I do need to emphasize one more time too. I am not recommending small caps for your portfolio. Before I would make that recommendation. I would want to know what kind of risk tolerance you have, risk capacity you have, and what your goals are. Because everyone, depending on what their investment needs are, need not invest in small caps. They are riskier than large caps. Period. Furthermore, But I know what you're thinking right now. How do I best capture this small cap premium? If I know, Scott, that from episode 104 and 105, that the conventional approach is not what a family steward should do when it comes to trying to capture this small cap premium, that it does not put the odds of success in my favor. I also know, Scott, that you mentioned in episode 106 that index funds, although much better than conventional investing, still are very, very rigid, and there are better ways to invest. Well, instead of getting way into the weeds in this episode, and because this podcast is only meant for the general public, I cannot give specific recommendations. But if you want to know the best way to capture the small cap premium, I want you to email me, scott at bestandwealth.com. Let's just start a conversation so I can start to lead you in the right direction. Number one, to see if small caps should belong in your portfolio, period. Because if your investment uh, that you're doing is not for the long term, well, it's not going to be the best for you as we just showed that small cap investing is for the long term. So first we figure out if it's right for you. But secondly, then I can give you and offer you some advice, some personalized advice to show you the best way to capture this premium. And as a family steward, if you, if this is new to you, if, if this, um, these premiums that I'm going to be talking about are new, I urge you to send me an email at Scott and Best, at Scott at bestandwealth.com. Let's have a conversation. In the meantime, you know what I got to do? I got to start packing up the truck because we're going camping. And I'll see you guys on the flip side. Bye-bye, everyone.
the Best in Wealth podcast is hosted by Scott Wellens. Scott Wellens is the principal at Fortress Planning Group. Fortress Planning Group is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Securities Act of Wisconsin in accordance with compliance with securities laws and regulations. Fortress Planning Group does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through the Best in Wealth podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice.